Support for the podcast is brought to you by the Music Academy of Acadiana. Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college to compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. They are founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find out more at their website at www.musicacademyacadiana.com. You can also check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Our tech sponsor, The Orchard, is Acadiana's only Apple-authorized service provider. They provide services for Apple products, whether it be a broken screen or if you need help trying to figure out an app, The Orchard has your back. They helped us by giving us an iPad to continue running our show since our show is dependent on Apple products. So with that, check out their stores. They got two locations in Acadiana, one next to Buffalo Wild Wings off of Ambassador in Lafayette, and at their new location in Karen Crow next to Super One Foods. You can check them out at theorchardstores.com or in person to make sure that all of your Apple products are taken care of and up and running and working as they should. This is the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. I'm your host, Ben Powers. On this podcast, you'll hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, and community influencers who all play a role in moving Lafayette Parish and South Louisiana forward. Andrew, thank you for coming on and uh, getting ready to talk meat. Thanks for having me, Ben. And, and before we get into that, I have to say, the guys at the Orchard are first class. Tyler Rocca, who owns the Orchard, is actually on the advisory board for the Acadiana Veteran Alliance. Wow, and all right. so Tyler and I have become real close, and they're a first-rate uh, operation. So happy to hear that they're a sponsor of yours, and it, the, the world gets a little smaller every day, doesn't it? <laughs> indeed, indeed it does, especially in this area, man. The world gets really small real fast. Um, the more people I meet, the more I realize that everybody knows everybody. <laughs> well, I think that good people want to kind of migrate to other good people and people that are doing good things in the community and are given of themselves and they're not just consumers they're also trying to give back yeah and tyler's definitely in that group if you know him oh yeah yeah i've met him several times we've spoken many many times before uh the sponsorship came up and uh, i helped them promote their 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 revamp of the the current location and then i helped them promote the the second location so great company perfect perfect yeah Yeah. so um i guess we can start with the coastal plains meat company and well yeah we can um I kind of want to know a little bit about uh, you first so that people can kind of know who Andrew Ward is. Okay. Uh, kind of where you're from, if you're not originally from here, what got you here, and kind of what led up to you 
becoming a uh, a connection with uh, the Coastal Plains Meat Company. Yeah, so so I'm from extremely far away. I'm I'm from Crowley. God, I, so I, far I, away. It's really about twenty whole <laughs> minutes, right? And so no, grew up in Crowley. Uh, came to Lafayette when I came to UL back in '97. Came to the university and moved here and and haven't left outside of my military career and some other things that I kind of moved away for a short time. Always found my base back home. Lafayette's one of the greatest places, as we know. And, oh, yeah. and so, you know, raise my family here and, and, and just enjoy the fact that now that I've reached a stage in my life that I've made connections and started to kind of grow, that I can start to build these things and give back and start to kind of define what my legacy is, what our legacy is for the next 10, 20 years. So I've been pretty lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. What did you go to uh, UL for? Uh, I was an advertising graduate when I Makes was there. Makes sense. I, I did. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I like the creation process. Um, like I love architecture. I love all these different kind of creative processes that build things that you can see tangibly come out of nothing. And so I uh, got into the whole marketing advertising game and after I graduated, though, it was really, this is about 2000, I guess I should backtrack because I started college, then I joined the military, went to Iraq in 2004 and 2005, didn't finish the degree before that, but then came back after my tour and finished. So got out of college in 07, uh, immediately oil and gas was booming back then. <laughs> And got the opportunity to get in with a with a great outfit, great company, and started working sales and marketing. And I found a really good niche on it that I could build marketing departments in companies that didn't have it, you know, existing, where they were a midsize or a smaller company, and maybe they had a sales force, and maybe they were kind of sending guys out, and they were doing the kind of old school oil field sales techniques, but they didn't have a very cohesive and 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 tight marketing program or sales program that's a lot of companies man it is and and it, they don't know what they don't know which is yeah. a, a euphemism that i don't like but it's true and so uh what i did was started doing those in a few startup companies in the oil business did it for from 07 to 14 and then in 14 like a lot of people it spit me out and that was when a first really big crash around that time happened and I started looking at other angles and things that I could do in business and transition into healthcare and teamed up with a local physician and ran his businesses for better part of about six years and uh, enjoyed that time and, and learned a lot. But, you know, the transition from one industry of oil and gas to <laughs> healthcare, that's completely different. And that was a learning experience for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I love the challenge. I love I love the build. Uh, a good example 2013, sitting in my office, oil field time, and uh, a guy named Mike Howard comes in, and he, he is the office next to me, and he's a, he's a marathon runner. And he's like, hey, I just got back from New Orleans, and I ran a, a marathon. Why in the you-know-what do they not have a marathon here in Lafayette? And I said, I, I, I don't have that answer. And I was like, I hate to run. And I was like, it's okay. <laughs> I, I do. I was like, I don't like to run. But I was like, you know what? I think that's a smart idea. So let's go and call. So we called our friend Ben Berthelot that we all know from yep. LCBC. And Ben said, I said, hey, can you get us a, an audience with uh, Joey Durrell, who was mayor? And we pitched it to Joey and Chief Jim Kraft, who was the police chief at the time, and Dee Stanley. And they loved it. And so we built the Zydeco Marathon out of nothing. And this was something that we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and we built a team together, but it becomes, it's still going eight years later. Yeah. And it's this great tourism event, 
and it brings over half a million dollars per year into the community and it's just this great kind of health and wellness initiative right and so that was when i got the bug and started uh getting into things that typically i wouldn't before so outside of oil and gas yeah and and it was just these are passion projects we weren't getting paid for this this was just completely volunteer doing something great for the city but what i got back from the feedback from the people that were involved with it was more than a dollar and and so um one of the guys involved with that, we, we kind of spun off a little publishing company, started a magazine called Active Acadiana back okay, in 2014. Yep, uh, that was a little monthly that we put out around town that was kind of fulfilling that health and wellness movement that was happening. And just the people that are involved in that space are fantastic. So I guess that's, that's kind of me saying, like, it didn't matter whether it was lamps or whether it was shades <laughs> or whatever. Like, if it's a good idea and it can help people and it can be a part of something bigger, I'm going to be into it, yeah. you know? And so uh, did that, and uh, we closed the magazine. Actually, we, we ended up selling it to 337 Media uh, about a year ago. And, and, there, and that's Tyler Rocco, right? And that's Tyler Rocco, of course. Yeah. And so... Uh, that was kind of where it, it, it ended. And around the time COVID hit, I had this idea. I was I was on the Boys and Girls Club's uh, board of directors, the nonprofit, and loved the work that they did. And if you know anything about Boys and Girls Clubs and Missy and that group, they are just first class in every, every respect. And I learned so much from them. And so I had an idea where I could take my veteran military background and create a nonprofit in this area that could marry the two and really do some good for guys that were coming out of the military and looking for jobs and looking to start companies and looking to kind of better the community through industry because we were losing a lot of it because of COVID, the oil and gas downturn still hadn't come yeah. back yet. So how do we diversify? Like in Lafayette, we always talk about healthcare is a great one. Like there's companies like LHC Group and Vimed, those are fantastic shining stars. I think those are like one of the two biggest companies listed on the uh, the stock market in Louisiana. Of course, of course. And, and, and I know those guys that, that, that run those companies, and they're fantastic, and they're still growing. But even outside of healthcare, I think there's always opportunities to be able to take an industry that maybe wasn't, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to describe. I'm not going to say that a, a, an agriculture industry wasn't attended to correctly. Because there are farmers and ranchers that are doing fantastic things in this state. Absolutely. But if we could take a segment like beef and cattle and grow it and build it from the inside out and create an initiative like Louisiana Beef, like Louisiana Seafood before it, yeah. then I think that there's some success in that. So so, um, so kind of the before we went live, uh, of course, the, the post that I made for this episode, I, I stated that uh, the Coastal Plains Meat Company was, or began the website. Your the the Coastal Plains website specifically says began on the battlefields mm -hmm. in Iraq and Afghanistan. Correct. So, how tell me a little bit about the 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 founding story of Coastal Plains and kind of the the initiative of Louisiana Beef. Kind of like how did that all start to kind of come about? Well, fortunately, it came through AVA. So the Acadiana Veteran Alliance is the nonprofit that I started. Yeah. I have an advisory board with Tyler and a bunch of guys and women that are prior service and, and, and they all bring something to the table. Well, a guy named Chip Perrin, he was a cattle rancher, but he was also in the manufacturing, global manufacturing industry. 
And he came to me one day and he's like, look, me and my business partner, David, we have this fantastic business plan we've, we've been working on where we love cattle ranching. We see a gap in the marketplace for a processor and a producer or a, or a packer in this area. And what we can do is we can regionalize the supply chain where we take the cattle from the state we service the grocers and the, and the meat markets and the places that are the end users, and we just make it a more symbiotic relationship than it was before. And what do you think about it? And I was like, man, it was kind of like the marathon. I was like, I think that this is just a, a home run. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know anything about beef. I was like, I don't know. I like steaks. I love hamburgers. You know you like to eat it. I know I like to eat it, but I don't know the, 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 the background, and, and I've never raised cattle. But they said, that's okay, because... We know that we want to be able to bring you in and be a part of our team. And David is, he's ex-Army. I'm ex-Army. Chip is ex-Marines. And then we have a fourth Mike who's also ex-Army. So we all spent time in combat. We all spent time in the military. And so we understand how to build a team, how to build SOPs and procedures and all the things that you need in business anyway. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a great kind of uh, head start for us just to be have that. And you have guys in the military that it's your duty to watch your brother and sister's back. That's that's the baseline, right? It's called watch your six, right? You yeah, yeah. That? So when we go into a business opportunity like this and we start moving down the road, we know first off that we're gonna be be tight like that. Like we're not gonna worry about somebody breaking off, doing their own thing or, or whatever. Like there's a bond there that that developed on the battlefields of Iraq. That's that's kind of where that Got comes it. from. Okay. So what year kind of was this all happening? What year was the like the, the founding like the coastal uh, plains kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, so uh, they came to me with this idea, probably, I'd say about six seven months ago. Wow. So yeah, less than a year ago. Uh, they had had the business plan working on their own, but they were building the rest of the executive team out. Got and it. so they wanted me to come in and be the head of the sales division and marketing division that I had experience doing and really apply it to this new agricultural industry. And so we uh, acquired a plant. We were going to build one, but we acquired one that was available uh, in St. Landry the, Parish. This is the Eunice Superette. Yeah, the Eunice Been Super around since the 60s. Uh, great workforce, great reputation, built in everything. And so we acquired them about three months ago and hit the ground running and so it's been it's been wild so the unisuperette i mean a lot of people are familiar with it i guess a decent amount of people are familiar with it because i was telling people about coastal plains uh, about a week and a half ago and they were like uh man the only place in unis that i can think of that they would go to is the unisuperette i'm like i don't know i didn't know yes but so what was the Unis Superette doing at the time was it closed or were they in business like what were they not doing that you guys could utilize the space for? That's a good question. So what they do, and they did, they would bring in cattle, but they would bring in uh, hogs and and pork, and they would also bring in lamb. So it's called a multi-species kind of slaughterhouse. And they would have different clients that would want something from those animals. Well, we're a beef company. And so the only thing we did different, and we've spent these last three months doing, is kind of slowly reducing the other animals that we're providing and focusing just on cattle. And when we came in, they were doing somewhere between 10 to 15 cows, cattle per day. 
And then what we just what we want to do is we have a half a million dollar capital uh, expansion project that we're working on right now to be able to optimize the plant to be able to do 50 head of cattle per day. So that's pretty big. If you yeah. if you equate that to beef pounds per week, it's about 55,000 pounds of beef per week once we get to that 50 head a day mark. So aside from the obvious uh, increase in production in beef, what does only going beef at this plant do? So like you, you're, you're weeding out the, the lamb, you're weeding out pork. What other uh, benefits is it just strictly beef that, that gives you? I think that's just our focus. Okay. I mean, you know, the Louisiana beef initiative that we started is something that we want to see for generations. We but want it to be like Louisiana crawfish where the communities stand behind it. it and we go to the cattle ranchers that for years have not had a dedicated packing facility of this size uh, to be able to send their cattle to at a fair price. And they've had to send it up to the Midwest. Well, if you're sending it up to Nebraska, you can imagine there's high logistical costs, mm-hmm. transportation costs, freight costs, right? Those all factor in. Now, and, and that's why the animals are alive. Like it's live transport, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, you that's got to put stress on the animal too. Of course. So if you, you, you've got it. So if you can just imagine, it's, it's pretty simple math. If you can reduce the time that they're on the rail going up to get processed or slaughtered, and then you can reduce the amount of time that it's coming all the way back to the state, fresher product, right? right? Less stress on the animals. So overall, it's just, it's just, it's called regionalizing the supply chain. And so for us, we're going to focus on just beef, just Louisiana, and really be able to have those restaurants and grocers fill up their meat cases with Louisiana products, which, which we all support our state. We all love that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, we do. So uh, a question that comes to mind is now knowing that you guys are going to be doing, you said 50 head of cattle a day, like that would be the max, correct? Correct. At that facility. Once, that we, facility. once we reach that capacity, we already have plans to be able to build the second facility. All right, which is great. So let's say you, you're at capacity, you're doing 50 head of cattle a day, which may not sound like a lot, but it's, it, it's, it's, you know, 50 a day. Are there enough cattle in Louisiana to sustain that? Like That's a good question. So right now, you can look it up, there's 850,000 beef cattle in the state of Louisiana. 850,000? There's almost a million beef cattle just in the state of Louisiana. There are 10 million in Texas, right next door. Oh, obviously, Texas is much bigger. But, but, and you look at states like Mississippi, I think it's around 1.3. Arkansas is around 1.2. So, yes, we are on the lower end. But again, it goes back to not having that dedicated place that they could do. We've talked to cattle ranchers, we've had conversations and said, look, the old, if you build it, they will come. We're building this for you. And so, we've had cattle ranchers say, I have 600 head today. I'm going to buy a th- I'm going to go up to a thousand tomorrow. So for us, if they know that this works, then they'll build their yeah. herds. And for us, that's what we want. Yeah. Supply want- and demand. Exactly. We want them to be able to build it. So now Louisiana has 2 million cattle. And then now you're, you know, and that takes time, obviously it's not an overnight process, but by us planting our flag right now and getting the word out through places like this and throughout the state organizations that we're working with, and you know, we're working with uh, Mike Strain's office <laughs> and Department of Agriculture 
and we're you know got the certified Louisiana tag, but for us it's bigger than that. We yeah. we, we want to be able to have um, every grocer in the country. I'm sorry, in the state have have that Louisiana. You could say the tag. country. That'd be that'd be pretty great, right? You know, <laughs> one step at a time. Right, one, right. One step at a time. What do they say? That was a Freudian slip, was it? Don't don't count <laughs> your uh, eggs before they hatch. Type no, of thing. we're we're really focused on that, and um, we're working toward USDA certified status. So we're state inspected now, and so what that means is we can ship and deliver to anywhere within state lines. Got it. But once we go to USDA, and that's in the spring to summer, it takes about six months. Once that happens, we'll be able to deliver interstate and take Louisiana beef yeah. to other places. So one more question about cattle, then I'll, I'll move on from the, the whole cattle <laughs> supply. Uh, so... Okay, so you said there's about eight, a little over 800,000 head of cattle right now in Louisiana just roaming around some fields somewhere. Correct. There's um, fences. Right. They, well, there's, they're, right. they're like, you know, they're, they're free range. Right. Okay. So you have a cattle rancher. Okay. And that cattle rancher is his goal, is, is his goal to slaughter those animals? Like, what is a... What does a cattle rancher wake up and think, oh, this is what I'm doing with my cattle? Like, yes. He is weaning those cattle. He is raising those cattle to be slaughtered. Yes. Okay. To, to, to turn into the steaks and the burgers that we all love. And so that is a, is that a specific type of cattle or because there's also dairy cattle? Correct. And that's a completely different deal. So and you don't slaughter dairy cattle. We do not. No, you, dairy, no. you get the milk from those guys. Correct, correct. Dairy cattle are bred to be milk cows. What we Aren't they have, normally skinnier too? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I don't know what the I've pound, seen a lot on TikTok pound. about cattle. I don't know yeah, why. I don't know if the pounds are the, are the same or not. That's a good question. But no, the, the, the breeds and the kind of cattle that we have, there's, there's Angus, obviously, that everybody knows. Yep. There's Hereford. That's another one. And so a lot of times what you'll do is you'll crossbreed and you'll have like a Brahma and you'll have an Angus and they create a Brangus. And so our guys that are the cattle ranchers, Chip and David, would be able to get into that way deeper than I can. Yeah, that's, a, that's but they, interesting. Because they have tons of experience of that. Uh, you've heard of Wagyu beef. Yeah, I was about know? to bring that up. Like, that's that's a huge that's a huge. Do we thing have right that now. here in the state? We do have some and we've been reached out to by a local Louisiana Wagyu um, um, cattle rancher. And so we're in development right now on a program that can be Louisiana Wagyu. Yeah. Because right now it all comes from out of state. I thought I thought Wagyu was a Japanese uh, type of cow. It first. is. Okay. It is. It's it, it's just it's a genetic kind of yeah. blend. Okay. And, and so it being raised in Japan doesn't make a difference if it's raised in Louisiana. It's it's going to have the same uh, quality meat. Correct. Okay. Correct. What makes it so expensive? I think it's just because of the genetics and the way that it's raised, and it's just the the you know the Kobe kind of style of beef that you see in Japan. Like this is kind of down the line from it, and I think it's just the the marbling and just the overall kind of taste and and the way that it's raised really slowly is is uh, the reason why. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated. With, it looks a little bit too fatty for me. I like a lean piece piece of meat. But it's interesting. I, I love the look of it. It looks pretty. It's yeah, a pretty it's, piece of meat. it's extremely fatty. It's not meant to be the same as your typical ribeye that you're going to get off the shelf. Even when you cook it, they say you're supposed to just sear it really fast and quick and not cook it like you would a normal steak. So yeah, I don't know. I can't do that. But there's, there's plenty. <laughs> look, I, I I am chicken first, uh, beef second. I love them both equally. 
but I, I just choose chicken to be more daily consumed than beef. I love a good steak. I know where to go in town where if I want a good steak, I go there. Other than that, um, so kind of that's a good segue kind of where I want to go next is if somebody that's watching and listening right now wants to taste or get you know experience what it what louisiana beef is like mm-hmm. not to say that you, there would be an obvious difference like to the normal person but you tell me what there would be because it's going to be a fresher product okay I mean, in, in a lot of cases these cattle are in the fields one week and literally the next week it's inside the restaurant that we've gone and slaughtered them and then we've hung them and then we've done the process for them and then we're going and, and pushing them out fresh. So is there a is there a verbally tangible thing that you could tell somebody that this would be the like difference? Besides it being obviously fresher, but like if you if you if you can taste the difference, like what would that what would that be like? I think it's just going to be juicier. I okay. think it's just going to be fresher. I think it's just going to be, I, I don't know the right uh, adjective to yeah, describe, yeah. but you, you can definitely taste the difference, okay. you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and thankfully we've had some great partners and early on, you know, being from this community and being from Lafayette, we eat at the restaurants that we know. Right. Yeah. And so we develop the relationships with people like, Tim Metcalf is a, is a great example. So everybody, half people with that, we all know Tim Metcalf. Yeah, he's and, owner of Dino's and Prejean's. Exactly. And he came to us and says, I love this. I'm all in. How can we get all the Louisiana beef into my into my restaurants? And so the steaks at Prejean's are there. The burgers at, at Prejean's are there. The ground meat and the burgers at Dino's are our beef. Uh, and then slowly we started to, to branch out. And so if you have a burger at Judy's Inn today, that's our Louisiana beef. And so uh, Burger Time came back and, and Braxton and those Braxton Moody and those guys are, are part of ours deal. And so yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. And so for us, that was really um, Taco Sisters. We know those guys. Oh, who, I love Taco uh, Sisters. Red Hall. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. And so for us, it was um, we knew we wanted to focus on our backyard. We knew we wanted to expand from there. Uh, and now we're developing some bigger kind of partners on a state level um, that want to take us into those New Orleans and, and Baton Rouge communities. We've had great conversations with Dickie Brennan and the Brennan's restaurants in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And and everybody knows who that is. I mean, Dickie Brennan's almost that name, like an Emerald Lagasse or somebody. Right. And so um, he loves the story and he loves the concept. And, and I think that, you know, farm to table, pasture to plate is, a, is something that's been said over and over again. But if we really, really create the pipeline and we really enable these cattle ranchers that are going from 600 to 1,000 head and they're putting their time and their money and their effort into it, I think we should profile them. And I think that we should know where our our food is coming from. And if we know that and we can buy into that, I think it's just a win for everybody involved. Um, I think that's great. Uh, So going into some of these restaurants, what is the typical, uh, let's say, going straight ground beef. Let's say ground beef, because that's the most consumed, I think, probably part is like burgers and stuff like that, right? 60, it's between 60 and 65% of all beef consumed is ground beef. Figured. Burgers yeah. are like big deal. Burgers for spaghetti, yeah. for, you know, tacos. Yep. It's all, yeah, it's all ground. So what is the most popular um, 
uh, percentage? What's the popular ratio? 80-20 by far. 80-20, yeah. Yeah, so what we found, though, is a little bit of a fattier, not to get too much in the weeds, but a little bit of fattier, like a 73 to 27 blend, works a little bit better on burgers because you get a little bit more fat content, a little bit juicier kind of flavor. But then you have the other side where people want it really lean, and I had a conversation with a, a pizza owner uh, just this morning, and he's like, no, 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 I want it really lean. I want more of a 93.7 blend. Oh, I'm a 93.7. I, I, look, I can even get uh, leaner than that. Like, I, I think there's a 90, is it a 97.4? Oh, I don't know. I think so. I think, that, I think that's, it gets pretty high up that's there. A, that's 93.7 is the highest that we've gone so far. Okay. We could go, you know, all the way. Yeah. Well, uh, so obviously fat creates juice. Right. Um, and so you'd say 80-20, for the most part, if you go to a restaurant that a restaurant partner of you guys and get a burger, chances are it's 80-20. Correct. Okay. That's kind of the industry staple. Man. So um, kind of to kind of go off of what we were just talking about, I want to make sure that you guys know some of the places that you can get um, Louisiana beef from with through Coastal Plains Meat Company. Uh, some of the restaurants, again, like mentioned, Taco Sisters, uh, La Fonda. Burger Time, Judy Sin, that was mentioned. Uh, Twins Burgers and Sweets is on board. Dino's, Prejean's, uh, a, a popular one, Brodus Burgers. And then you got uh, Ground Patty. Actually, this is a weird thing. I found out that Ground Patty is technically two different. It is. Two, di- two different owners. One's called the Original Ground Patty, and the other one is Ground Patty Grill yeah. and Bar on, on Cully Saloon. Kind of confusing, but the ground patties in yep. Lafayette, you can yep. get them there. Yep. Uh, Mandez Grill. And then if you're looking for a grocery store that has Louisiana beef, uh, Nunu's Fresh Market in Youngsville. I don't know about Nunu's and Scott. Not yet, Not but yet. we're expanding with them. Okay, yeah. cool. And then, because I live in the Scott Cameron Crow area, so like gotcha. to drive all the way to Youngsville would be hard. And then you got Champons and uh, Erath, or Erath. And then you got <laughs> Abbeville. And then you got Larry's Superfoods and Kaplan, of all places. Um, what are some of the other places that you guys are in talk with, talks with, if you can divulge that? No, I, I can't say specific names. But, I mean, we're talking with some major grocer kind of groups. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you have wholesalers right mm-hmm. and a wholesaler will be over a good example i can just say it's associated grocers associated okay. grocers is a fantastic one because they have over 170 grocers that they work with throughout the store i mean throughout the state and so you have the smaller mid-sized ones right the ones that are not the albertsons or the rouses and they work with them on supplying them what they need and so for us Associated Grocers is a great one because then we could take our products through them and really, instead of going one at a time, we could disperse it out through all of their Acadiana grocers or all of their state grocers. But um, no, we, we've had conversations and starting to have conversations down the road with the Rouses. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's it's like anything else in business. It's, it's telling the story, getting them to understand where we want to go. And, and once we do that, I mean, the sky's the limit, I think. Oh, I agree. Um, <clears throat> so I have a another question. I don't. I, I, I want to say we very, very vaguely touched on it is, and I'm looking at your website right now so that I, I kind of have an idea, but um, sustainability, what does that 
mean? And we, I think, like I said, we may have touched on it, but for those listening that are looking at your website, which is actually coastalplainsmeatcompany.com, if you're if you're listening, um, what does sustainability mean for beef? It means reliability. It means that if you Ben own a grocery store and you order from Andrew with Coastal Plains, well, that's great. But it, do you know that you're going to get it every week and every month of the year? Because if I miss a week or I miss a couple <laughs> of weeks and then all of a sudden it's not on your shelves, well, that's not good business for you. Right. So sustainability means that we can meet the mark of being a reliable source of product. We're a manufacturer at heart, right? Even though it's beef, we're a manufacturer of products. So we have to maintain that level of reliability. And so for us, one of the things that Louisiana didn't have that we saw the gap in the marketplace to build was that, you know, larger Tyson-like facility where we knew the amount of cattle coming in, we knew the amount of product coming out, we can go to our partners, we can give them the reports, we can tell them exactly what they can expect to get. And that sustainable nature is what we really wanted to build. So okay. that so so building the pipeline through sustainability was 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 key for us because because you don't want to be you know you don't want to be known as oh I'll get a I'll get a, a a half of a cow here or a half of a cow there or a custom processing shop which is still great and we do that for certain customers but it really to to be able to be sustainable you have to have that built into the to the business plan. That's awesome. That's uh that's that's good stuff, man. Um, you and I were talking the other day. And you mentioned the Tyson of companies, and I was blown away by the sheer number of cattle going through some of those bigger guys. I mean, ridiculous. I, I want to say you said eight million. No, that's on the chickens. Oh, that's the chicken. Okay, so, sorry. So the, maybe so twenty. The, uh, twenty thousand per day. God, yes, is eight million estimated cattle. Number. But 20,000 cattle per day um, from one of the big four uh, that currently kind of dominate the market. Yeah. And, they're all and those are out of state, obviously. Oh, probably. they're all in the Midwest. Yeah. And, and so they do over 80% of the beef cattle uh, processing in the, in the country. So for what was important for us early on was to be able to, I mentioned, regionalize the supply mm-hmm. chain in the state, but also work with the USDA because right now USDA is hyper-focused on not only in Louisiana, but in every state, taking how they can take agricultural supply chains and and streamline them and regionalize them so that way we don't have any breakdowns. COVID exposed a lot, a lot, and, and it wasn't just on the health side. COVID exposed, so? well, just because it exposed, we're seeing it right now. If you order supply. anything, supply yeah. chain, supply chain, supply chain. So if you have four companies, and I'm not you know talking bad or bad mouth in those four companies, but if there's only four and it's you know, 80, 90 <laughs> percent and one or two of them go down, well, then that's a lot of product that's not being able to be on the shelves. I want to say last year we saw a small glimpse of uh, I want to say it might have been Tyson. I can't remember, honestly, but there were there was there was the supply had like something happened with it. I don't I, I don't know if it was related to COVID. I'm a little foggy because these past couple of years have just kind of flown by, and I'm no, not sure. No, but there was a COVID outbreak with one. And okay, then there, there was a big cyber attack on another one. Got it. And the cyber attack shut it down, and for a few days or a week or however long it was shut down, that completely 
uh, showed kind of some of the gaps and the shortfalls in the in the overall supply chain. Yeah. And so for us, that's just an opportunity, and life is timing. So for us, we came in, we're like, yeah, <laughs> we can absolutely, you know, if you're a grocer and you're having trouble getting product, we're we're here, we're ready, and so that's where we want to come in and, yeah. and help out. So. All right. So big question for me and perhaps maybe somebody listening is um, price. Obviously, from you guys down to the your partners, down to the my plate. What is there a price difference, uh, or maybe some of the restaurants might eat it? Who knows? Like, not not to this, metaphorically eat it. Um, what 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 can I expect to pay to have a Louisiana beef burger versus? Before you guys came in, you're going to pay right in line with what you're paying for anything else. Okay, that's good. We, we've set up our business model to be competitive in line with everyone else from around the country. Just because we're a local organization and a local processor or whatever, doesn't mean we have to be double and triple the price. We know as a company what it, we have to be to be remain solvent, right? We know what our margins have to be. We know what our business model looks like, and so as long as we can control that we can pass that on to the consumer and the grocer and the buyer. And so, no, you won't see a difference. That's awesome. No. Yeah, because, uh, look, I am a price-conscious person. If I notice a price increase, like, no lie, I noticed a price increase at a restaurant that I frequent every week. It went from, like, my, my lunch, which I normally don't – I usually don't get a side. I just get a fountain drink and the, the main entree. But it went from, like, $9.40 something cents to ten dollars and twenty eight cents, and I'm sitting there like, obviously I know inflation and supply and all that stuff is changing, but like that little extra dollar or so kind of can come into effect. It can, and and we've we've thought about that, yeah. and we built that in, and we know that right now every other news story is about inflation God. and rising <laughs> meat prices and all these things. And so for us, we just view that as an opportunity where we're not in a price battle, but we want to be able to remain competitive, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if it's a few cents more here and there, that's not going to be able to um, completely, you know, blow it out of the water. Right. Right. So, no, we, we're, we're definitely right in line with that to answer your question. All right. This, I should have this this next kind of thought in my mind look as we're talking i'm like okay what about this what about that uh <laughs> I want, okay so kind of going back to the cattle some people may want to know what um what quality standards you have for your cattle ranching partners are is there a, is there a is there a uh a check that you guys do. Do you guys visit the cattle ranching farm and say, "Hey, we do." You know, we do. We have it. We have a team, and and we have very stringent, you know, QA uh, processes within the within the the packing plant. But we also, and we have a huge uh, HACCP plan, and we, we we check all the boxes. We have state inspectors that are in there every second of every day, and so all of that's tight. But then we also our cattle buyers and our cattle buying team. They make sure that the cattle that we are going to be sourcing and we're going to be buying is going to be a first class, you know, cow. So like humanely treated. Is there is there is there something that you can is that even something you can even maintain like or like check? 
Yeah, I mean, there are certain ranchers that, you know, no antibiotics and, and certain kind of GAP4 certified, and there are like different certifications that you can do, and we look for those every day. We okay. want those ranchers to be part of the process. And so one of the good things, though, about going USDA that I didn't mention is if you're a USDA certified plant, right, then not only do you have the ability to ship your product to Mississippi and Texas and all the other places, but you also have the ability to put that prime choice select stamp officially on your on your product. And so that's what we're working toward right now. It's just a process. Yeah, man. This is awesome stuff. So um, I want to show your website to the people watching. So I'm going to quickly pull that up so that you guys can see. Let me go to the homepage. So Yeah, we want them to ask for Louisiana beef. That's kind of what we're pushing right now is if you have a grocer and you're in the <clears> meat market, <throat> grab him and say, hey, how can we get Louisiana beef in yeah. here? How can we get Coastal Plains? All right, so I'm on the CoastalPlainsMeatCompany.com website. So as you can see, the very first image, it looks like this image came from that popular restaurant salt bay i think they call him where he like sprinkles the salt right off of his elbow and it like it's a beautiful cut it looks like something that i mean the salt look at the salt rocks on that sucker um looks like a great piece of meat there i mean i'm pretty sure that's tenderloin uh right and so you can look at all their their information on their website you can see that they're local sustainable uh, of course, beef. Uh, you can read all about them there, so you can kind of get an idea. Well, so I'd love to talk a little bit about not only the the cattle side, but you know, the the executive team and the organizations and kind of our plan, yeah, uh, for growth. And I, I think that that's something that we're really, really interested in doing. So, we're all veterans that that form the company. We love our workforce, but we want to be able to bring more veterans and more transitioning military into our workforce. Got it. So through my organization, the ABA, we started doing that. And we started to really identify, we all know that the National Guard just came back from deployment. There's thousands of guys and women that are now back home. So what is their next stage in life? So we'd love for them to come join our team. And whether that's through working at the plant, whether that's through buying some land and raising some cattle, whether it's through transportation and logistics companies, like there is an entire vertical integration that we're trying to build here so our industry can thrive. One of the things that we did that we're excited about, we went to LSUE and we talked to them, and I, I don't know if you saw the story, but their chancellor and their academic affairs team went and got a grant from the Delta Regional Authority of $850,000 to build a new agriculture associate's degree program that's focused around bringing veterans to that campus and then they can get the, the educational programming to come out on the other side and join our, our team. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And so for the future, as we keep growing this, I, I told you, this is something that we really want to be able to bring to the entire state sustainably for a long time. We're going to need that workforce and this skilled. I mean, a lot of these guys that are not just raising cattle, but the ones that are in the butchers and and, and the meat science and, and the ones that actually, you know, in the butchery side, there's not as many as you would think. And it's a it's kind of a dying art. And so for us, we'd love to be able to bring it back in this state. And so we're, we're thankfully, we have partners like LSUE that have signed on and bought in. And, and so developing that pipeline is, is, is fantastic for us. 
So, so not only building out a workforce, but uh, uh, I guess a community in a sense that is for the mission. Yeah. Which and, is, and, I mean, and I love it, yeah. and I love that we're in rural. You know, we're in Eunice, Louisiana, with our with our facility. rural indeed. It is, but they have a great opportunity right now um, to be able to do something about it with our plant. And and we've spoken with their economic development people, a guy named Bill Rodier, and he's excited about it. And I think that there's huge advantages where if you're not directly tied into our company, you can be an adjunct piece to be able to help support yeah. the company. You know what I mean? So like an indirect job. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And and as we build more facilities down the line, the goal is to build four. The, so over we kind of have a growth plan of over the next five to seven years that we'd love to build four in the state. And if we're building four in the state and we're processing now more four to five to six hundred, now we're now we're able to really service a wide span of market. So four processing facilities. Mm-hmm. So um Ideally, where would you like to see the other three? We've talked about a few different places. Uh, Vermilion Parish has been real good to us, and we, we're looking at that. You know, Florida parishes around Baton Rouge area, that would be good because then you could service that Mississippi market. And then obviously for just geographic reasons, if you go north Louisiana, you know, that Ruston to Monroe area would be prime. Because there's just so much great land up there, and yeah. there's there's opportunity yeah. for. I mean, you can be a cattle rancher like big time. If you could be the the Jeff Bezos of cattle rancher up in that area, you could, you could, you Good. could. Yeah, and, there's and, so much land. Or you could, you could, you could put a feedlot up there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's just so many different things that uh, we're we're talking right now with some great organizations, Louisiana Cattlemen's Association and Department of Ag, and so that's kind of where we want to we want to build this industry to be to be a really really strong one for the for the state and not just oh we're, we're starting up a, a you know a butcher shop right that's not that's not the goal here yeah the goal yeah. here is a lot a lot larger than that that's awesome man this is this is a great uh this is a great thing for the state great thing for you know veterans military veterans um i love it uh there's a lot there's a lot here there's a lot more um before we go uh you said, and I, I don't know, I can't remember if you already did or you're you're going to um, had lunch with uh, George Bush, yeah, and uh, Laura Bush. Yep. How did that go? It was great. It was great. He 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 called me a coonass. Oh, of course. <laughs> he did. He did. No, he he was great. Um, I I had the the privilege of being a part of the George Bush. It's called the Stand to Veteran Leadership Program, and the Bush Center uh, in Dallas every year puts it on. And what they do is they take veteran leaders from around the country, and they put us in this five-month kind of leadership program module-style deal. And we get to spend four days each month uh, in Dallas embedded with just the top minds from around the the country. And (laughs) I'm sitting there from me to you from General uh, Mattis, uh, you know, Jim Mattis. And then uh, former Secretary of the VA, Bob McDonald, is there every time with us. And so giving us mentorship and allowing us just to be able to be better servants and better leaders in the veteran community. And so uh, the last one was was last week. And and, uh, we had dinner with uh, President Bush and Laura and we had a little Q and A kind of fireside chat with them, and then we took a picture with them, and 
Uh, that was the funny part is I walked up and I introduced myself and I said, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. And he goes, oh, he goes, you a coon ass then. Oh, Lord. And I said, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Come. He's like, come in here and get a picture, you know, and, and uh, couldn't have been nicer and, uh, and really, really intelligent and very warm. And, you know, they, they, I can't speak highly enough about that group because the Bush presidential library and the, the team behind it they really do a good job of, of walking the walk and getting out there and bringing in leaders and developing relationships and developing connections and, and putting their money where their mouth is in a lot of ways. So once in a lifetime kind of deal for me, it was pretty exciting. That's awesome. Well, Andrew, is there anything that before we go that you want to make sure to mention that we may not have? No, I think we covered yeah, we it. Covered a lot. I did. I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, if any veterans are listening, uh, if anyone is listening and they want to learn more information about us, uh, it's CoastalPlainsMeetCompany.com. Uh, we have our great veteran organization, the Acadiana Veteran Alliance. We probably we could have spent a whole other episode uh, just right. on that. Uh, but that's continuing to do great work in the community, getting veterans hired, getting veterans with post-traumatic stress, the help they need through a medical procedure we do. Um yeah, I, I think overall that, that this has just been fantastic. So appreciate you having me on. Man, I appreciate you coming on. Like I love uh, I love it so far. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where it goes. And uh, as you guys grow, um, I'm looking forward to experiencing the Louisiana beef. I'm pretty sure I already have because I've been to Taco Sisters a few times since you guys have started. So I'm pretty sure I've had the Louisiana beef. And look, it's been good all the time. So. I'll have to bring you a tenderloin. I'll bring it to you next time. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, look, guys, um, that is it. Andrew, thank you for coming on and talking beef with us and uh, all the stuff that you guys are doing for the veterans of our country. Um, it's, it's really it's really amazing to see. It. I look forward to seeing where it goes. Thanks, Ben. All right, guys. Thank you all. And look, have a great Thursday. And we'll see you all again tomorrow with our next guest, which I'll uh, post on a later day later today. So you'll have a great week. And... <laughs> like almost weekend. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. Y'all have a great one. All right. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise.